What's going on, FitFam? Before we get into this episode, we want to give you a heads up that we'll be discussing mental health challenges, including anxiety and depression. Now, everyone's got their own story, but remember to take care of yourselves and to seek out support to help you through difficult times. The way I balance a lot of things that I balance is through support, like through my friendships, through my relationships, through my mentors, like they support me so much. And when I'm down and I just feel like I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this. I don't want to do it. They kind of push me, you know, and having that support changes your life. Find people that fully support you and are down with you all the way. It helps so much. This is Sweat the Details, a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio, a sports and training podcast made for women by women that puts our success and challenges at the front and center. I'm Monica Jones. I'm a fitness coach, boxer, business owner, and UA athlete. And I'm Meg Boggs. I'm a power lifter, author, body positivity advocate, and mother. Every episode, Monica and I will talk to athletes, trainers, and experts and learn more about how the body and mind work together in training and competition. In today's episode, we're very excited to be talking to professional runner and UA athlete, Jasmine Frey. During her sophomore year at Texas A&M, Jasmine broke the 800-meter collegiate record. Yes, girl. The Long Island native is now a member of District Track Club, a running team comprised of dedicated professional runners training together and motivating one another to achieve their career goals. Jasmine has accomplished so much as a college athlete and now as a team member of District Track Club, but competing at such a high level is not without its challenges. So Jasmine has been very vocal about her own struggles with anxiety, and she speaks so openly about the importance of athletes working with a support system to take care of their mental health. Yes, she's just one of many athletes who have struggled with mental health and competition. Meg, I know you've been open about some of the things you've experienced in competition. What are some ways you've found helpful in managing nerves and stress when you're competing? Well, for me, there's been a couple of times that I've competed, and the only thing that has really calmed me down right before the competition kicks off, I have to be alone. Like I I need space. I don't need anybody around me. I just need an alone moment with myself, usually some headphones in, very just calm music, something very, very calm. And I just breathe. Like I have to breathe. Just remembering that is the only way that I can get through it. Because for some reason, I, when I get really nervous, I just, I clam up and I stop breathing. I keep inhaling and inhaling and I never exhale. It's an issue of mine. So I just know that I have to keep breathing. If I'm not by myself, I'm not consciously thinking of it. So that's really the only way that I'm able to manage that. What about you? Yeah, same. Breathing is huge. I lean on my coach for sure. When it comes to fighting, it's a very singular athlete sport, but having the supportive coach and the reassurance and actually having a routine, right? We talk about breathing before being alone, having the headphones in. The routine that we can rely on is really what allows us to calm our nerves and allows us to affirm what's really happening right now, that we have been working really hard for X amount of months, years, days leading up to competition, and we should feel more secure there. So, you know, for me, it's it's very much the same process of zoning in on ourselves and our breathing but also being able to have someone support you and coach you through it, whether it's like your mom in the dressing room, your coach letting you know the third set's going to be the best set. So I feel the same way. It's definitely, it, it takes a little bit of alone time and centeredness, but it also does take a little bit of support from 
your team, your family, the people around you. Absolutely. I'm so excited. We have such a huge mental health advocate to talk to. Let's get into the interview with Jasmine. I agree. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, Fit Fam. We are so excited to have Jasmine Frey here with us today. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi, how are you guys? Thank you so much for welcoming me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're so excited too. Um, Let's start with how you first got started with running. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into becoming a runner? So I kind of started my journey with running a long, long time ago when I was about in elementary school. My mom kind of used to tell me stories about how she ran track and field. So she didn't even pressure me or she didn't say anything to me really about it. She would just tell me stories. And so I went to her and I asked her, I was like, hey, like, can you take me out of these sports and maybe put me in track? And then I started running track and I really liked it. And then after that, in seventh grade, I went to a club team, which is a more like serious team right before I went to high school. Um, And that was such a big like shock to me because I was in CYO before, which is more just like an easy league. And, you know, it's just more for fun. But for club team, they're like really running. Like they're girls that can like really run, like kill it. And so they were killing me when I first, you know, joined. And I just had to keep working, keep working, keep working. And actually my mom was going to take me out of it because we thought, you know, maybe this isn't a good fit for me. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. The track meet that she was going to take me out, she said, okay, this is your last meet. That's the meet that I PR'd. I ran my personal best by 30 seconds. And then from then on, it was kind of just like a whole whirlwind of like getting faster, faster, and faster. And then that's when I went to my high school, Calumber Memorial High School in Long Island, New York. Uh, I was born and raised in New York. Um, And then from there, I was able to receive a full scholarship at Texas A&M, and I ran collegiately there. So it was just a great, great experience overall. Wow. You know, you were you were a college athlete and that's extremely demanding. Yeah. Keeping up with the academics as well as the performance. So how was it for you balancing college work and your actual performance on the team? Um, It was hard at times when I first got to the school. That's what I was actually really, really worried about. Um, And it ended up working out really well because Texas A&M makes it a point to care a lot about your academics. And so a lot of times that I was struggling, I would have a tutor. Like they would give me a tutor for pretty much anything that I needed. People actually like care about you um, and they actually want to see you succeed. And I really, really love that. And I think that was a huge lesson to me because my coaches always cared before my athletic performance. They always said to me, you know, we want to see you run really well, but Jasmine, like you have to get your degree because, you know, in the long run, your mind outlasts your body. Like you're going to need your mind a lot more than you will physically. You know, you can only run, but so long, Jasmine, like you have to get your degrees. You have to, you know, work hard. And my mom definitely really implemented that also because my mom's a professor at St. John's University. Academics is a really, really big thing in my family. Um, and I'm I'm super grateful for that. And I'm, that's why I'm super grateful for the school that I went to. They were amazing. That is amazing that you had so much support. I've yeah. always wondered that, you know, how yeah. do you balance that? 
I tell everyone all the time, I'm like, the way I balance a lot of things that I balance is through support. Like through my friendships, mm. through my relationships, mm-hmm. through my mentors, like they support me so much. And when I'm down and I just feel like I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this. I don't want to do it. They kind of push me and they're like, okay, just relax. Take it a little bit at a time. Like it doesn't all have to be today, but just keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. And having that support changes your life. Find people that fully support you and are down with you all the way. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of the main component of getting through an experience like that. I want to talk about the record that you broke. You broke the 800 meter collegiate record as a sophomore in yeah, college, which is, yes. um, hold up. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that historic race? Like kind of walk us through it. I honestly had no idea what was happening because I was young enough at that point that I was blissfully ignorant and I just was running. So when I went to Texas A&M, I was only running a 209 in the 800 and that's okay, but it's not like great. And I have no idea what happened, but my coach, Coach Francique, came to me and recruited me and said, you know what? We see something in you. We want to recruit you and we want you to come here for a full scholarship because you know, it's a lot harder to go away to school because out of state tuition is so much more expensive. And so I was super grateful for that. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's go. I didn't even want to take an official visit there. My mom actually made me take the official visit there because I was like, Texas, like, what am I going to do in Texas? So I went to the school, visited it, loved it. They offered me the full scholarship. And honestly, I was just happy to be there. Like, I was just happy to be on the team. I was just happy to be running there. You have these really high-ranked people going to this school. They're like winning nationals. They're doing all these amazing things. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And so it started to occur to me that, you know, I did have a lot of potential and I understood what they saw in me my freshman year because I kept getting faster and faster and faster. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I've already dropped like five seconds in my time. And, you know, as you get faster and go to the higher scale of track and field, like it's harder to um, get faster. Like you're not going to PR by five seconds because that's a lot of time. You know, you're only going to PR by like a second or like a tenth of a second or, you know, just as long as you're getting faster. And so my sophomore year that I broke the record, we went to the meet. It, it, it was a meet that I had, you know, pressure on me like I normally do, but it w- really wasn't anything like out of the ordinary. But I do remember just believing in myself so much that day. Like I remember just towing the line that day and just being like, oh, wow, like I feel great. Like I feel like I can accomplish like anything right now. And I'm actually a person that struggles a lot with anxiety. I struggle a lot with being very nervous for my races, like shaking. And I was nervous, but just a normal nervous. I wasn't overly nervous. And I finished And I saw everyone cheering. So it's like a surreal experience because everyone's like cheering for me and like clapping and standing up. And I'm like looking around because I'm like, there's no way that I just ran that time. Like there's, that's like a three second like PR. Like there's like no way that I ran that. And my coach is like, yes, Jasmine, like you just ran that. And I was shocked. And then they announced that I had broken the collegiate record. I didn't even think of that because I was like, oh, like I don't even know what the collegiate record would be. And that's when it started to occur to me that like, wow, I can take this sport to another level. And that's what I'm saying about the support, you know, like you have support and having people like believe in you and just give you a chance. 
I don't even know where I would have gone like without Texas A&M. You know, I was just running an okay time um, and they really just took a chance on me. But yeah, it was a very surreal, surreal experience. Great coaching staff, great everything. That is so dope. Chills. (laughs) I mean, it's like lighting me up just to hear you talk about running. It's Uh so cool. And, you know, honestly, it sounds like you were running your own race and then you looked up and were like, Oh, and now that broke the record. That day was honestly a blessing and a curse. It was such a blessing because even now, like, I'm so proud of that moment. And I couldn't have asked for God to have given me just like a better day, better support, and just like my coaches and my family, everything, everyone was so supportive. And it was such like a beautiful moment. But I think the only curse was, is remember when I said I was very blissfully ignorant? That was the day that everything changed and I wasn't anymore. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew exactly my potential. And that was the day that my pressure on myself skyrocketed. Oh my gosh, it was like totally different. I was kind of just running and like, I don't know, just trying my best. And, you know, if I ran good, I ran good. But now it was different because now I have a target on my back because now I have the collegiate record and like girls know I'm fast, you know, track, you, you know, who's good and you know, who's not because you could tell by their time. It's, it's very easy. You know, it's very easy to know who's the best. There's no arguing about it. And so that day definitely changed a lot of things for me. Hearing you say that, like, that was the moment that you, like, recognized your potential, mm-hmm. I literally got chills Aww. because <laughs> I feel like that's, like, such an important moment that a yeah. lot of us should talk more about openly yeah. and express, like, those feelings and how it's, you know, you have this side that's very positive, but then you also have this side that's kind of more challenging and they kind of yeah. blend together to create this really monumental experience. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank so, you. you know, I appreciate that. After after you graduated college, so then you joined the district track club, right? Yes. As a professional runner. Can you yes. tell us about the club and you know why did you decide to join the team? You know, what kind of work are you doing with them? Um, so I decided to join District Track Club just because I loved the coach. My coach's name is Tom Brumlick. I loved him and I loved my teammates. I loved how diverse it was. Um, there's so many people on the team that were just run for different countries. We all are competitive because we want to do really well. Of course, we're professional athletes, but we're competitive in a supportive way. You know, like I want you to run as fast as you can because you're going to make me run as fast as I can. So we're always challenging each other and, you know, we're trying our best to just make the most of each and every opportunity. And that's what was really, really important to me that my coach had the same goal in mind, my teammates did, and so did I. That makes me so happy to hear. Yes. (laughs) Do you feel like there were any changes in your physical and mental prep for college tournaments versus your professional races? Like what were those changes? Yes, for sure. For sure. You know, I'm always still working on that. You know, like I said before, I struggled with anxiety from literally the time that I was running track in seventh grade all the way up till now. You know, it's just I've learned more so how to handle it and how to handle it better and better. 
Um, it wasn't until, again, I was at A&M and I was struggling because, you know, my pressure skyrocketed after that collegiate record, after I broke it. And I was constantly beating myself up and I was constantly nervous. And they said to me, they said, OK, I really think I really suggest that you see a sports psychologist like we have one here at A&M that will help you. Like, I highly suggest that you see them because you're you have so much potential and you're letting, you know, your fear and you're letting your nervousness consume you and you're letting it control you. And it wasn't until I went to him that I started to realize like, oh, like this is anxiety. And like, I'm actually just like a very nervous person, not even just with track, just with anything. Like, that's just how I think. I just plan ahead so much and I'm naturally an overthinker. Um, And so it was really about just like handling those moments. And now I know, okay, Jasmine, when you're super nervous before your race, I have a coloring book and I just color. Like I, I don't even listen to music. I just try to like take everything out and I literally just color. And if I am listening to something, I'm listening to Headspace and they're talking to me about something and just telling me about my mindfulness and just telling me to breathe. Um, I just know how to handle myself so much more. So it's easier. I'm not saying that all these things are like a cure-all. I'm just saying like, it's going to take your anxiety down from a 10 to a nine because that's what you want. And then next time it's going to take you down from a nine to like an 8.5. But like you have to constantly keep practicing those things. That's the main thing. So when I get nervous for workouts, my coach is going to see me. He sees me doing my own thing. He knows to leave me alone because I need to handle it myself. Like there's nothing he can say to me, you know, I got to find what works for me at practice. So that way I can do it in the big meet. So, you know, you have to work on your mind little by little to do well on the bigger scale things. I relate to you so much. I'm serious. <laughs> like the anxiety, it's it's hard to yeah. manage when it when it bleeds into every aspect Everything. of your life, every yeah. single thing. Yeah. I experience it all the time. So I mean, yeah. I understand. Every time I do an interview, I also have to <laughs> take deep breaths. I get ready before. Me too. It wasn't until I was talking on this interview that I was like, oh my gosh, I have an interview. I'm kind of nervous. Like what, what am we going to talk about? And yeah, you just know, you just see it, right? Like you've seen it mm-hmm. trickle down just into different parts of your life. And it's mm-hmm. not even something to hide because I'm not ashamed to talk about it at all. Like I'm proud to say that I have it because I know how to handle it. And I don't think that it's a bad thing about me. You know, it it could actually be a good thing. It it can make us more prepared, honestly, than most people, just because we care so much. And like, we want to make sure we're on time and we're thinking about things clearly and we say the right things. And, you know, it can be a good thing. Yeah. I love that you're so vocal about (laughs) mental health. Like you're such a huge advocate for mental health and therapy, especially for athletes. So, you know, why do you think that therapy is beneficial for athletes? I just found that it just helped me so much. It just helped relieve me so much. You know, for example, I find out that I was a people pleaser. I didn't even realize that. I realized that there were so many times that I said yes to doing something that I did not want to do because I was doing so many things for other people and I wasn't really taking care of myself. And it wasn't until then that I started being in therapy that I realized that. And he started actually explaining to me boundaries. He was like, you know, Jasmine, you have no boundaries with people. People think that they can do whatever they want when you're around you know, even if they talk to a certain way, you kind of just let it go because you're a very forgiving person. He kind of taught me like 
hey, this is how you communicate this. And I realized I was a terrible communicator from that. Like I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to speak up for myself. And those are already like three things, my anxiety, communication, and boundaries that he already helped me with. And that has nothing to do with track. It was just something that helped me in my day-to-day life. And that's what I feel like so many athletes need. Like they need that because it really does help you with just like life issues. I talked about track probably 5% of the time that I was with my psychologist because like there were so many other things that I needed to work out first before we got to track stuff. And you would have no idea how much that relieved me by the time I came to a meet. You know, because I just had so much weight lifted off my shoulders because I was like, oh, like I don't have to take care of everybody. And it's kind of just coming into your own and teaches you like to find out more about yourself and teaches you, okay, like, so I feel this way right now. Like, why am I feeling this way? Like, you know, you can only go as deep with other people as you go with yourself. That's what I've personally learned a lot in therapy. Huge, huge, huge. So I encourage every athlete to go to therapy because you never know. Like there's, oh, people always have things that they can work on. Anybody has things that they can work on and you don't know that it can't help you um, in in the track world or in any athletic career that you might have. Yeah, that is so important. I love hearing that too. It's like creating boundaries and establishing them can help you break barriers. Yes. You know, yes. we're reading um, surveys before doing the interview and we read an NCAA student athlete survey from 2020 it says that black and Latinx athletes are more likely to cite family or personal responsibilities as a barrier to training. So we talk about being people pleasers or taking care of other people. We had both 40 percent of black and Latinx compared to 27% of white participants and 34% of other racial groups. And it's like, you're not standing alone when you think, okay, why is everything so heavy on me? And why do I jump to do these things? Exactly. And, you know, I thought that was so interesting because it's like for someone who might focus on being fast, what creates better results is slowing down yes. and going at the right pace for you. So I, yes. I love that. Yes. It really, really comes yes. full circle when you think about it. Yes. Yeah, so. Dig into your mind, like figure out like, why do you feel this way? Like, why do I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders? Because it's not just this race. This race is lasting two minutes. So what is really going on with me? Like, why do I feel this way? Is it external factors? Is it internal factors? Like, what can I do? You know, and that's the big question. I love that. And I, I know that, you know, all of our listeners and those, especially younger athletes out there are going to hear this and and feel more comfort knowing that the support is out there and it is okay to ask for it. Yes. You know, we're we're even seeing that, you know, we have high profile athletes or quitting championships, right? To protect their mental health. Yes. Big moments in their careers. Yes. How do you personally know, Jazz, when you need a mental health break? Like, how do you go about it? Um, You know, I start to see signs. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not a really lazy person. I'm not a person that, you know, kind of likes to just sit around. I don't really procrastinate things. You know, I kind of just like to do things. I kind of always like to be on the go and I can tell when I'm burnt out, when I don't want to do any of that, you know, and even when I do little tips and tricks to help me, you know, get on task, like say like, a lot of times when, you know, I'd be really overwhelmed, I took one thing at a time. And, you know, that kind of builds up, builds up, builds up, and it helps you create momentum. But sometimes that doesn't even work. I'm like, no, I still don't feel any momentum. Or like there's times where I just don't feel focused. Like I literally can't focus. All I want to do is go to bed. And I've taken, you know, those, um, 
I've taken those signs and I've said to myself, okay, you know what? Just relax. Like it's okay to give yourself a break. If I actually feel really tired, I will actually go take a nap. Like I've learned that about myself. Um, and that's really the best way for me personally to handle rest because we all need it. We're going to deny it, but we all need it. And sometimes we don't all get seven, eight hours of sleep, you know? And so even if you do get seven or eight hours of sleep, sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes you're still tired. It's that self-awareness that have to, have to yes, have it. It can, yeah. That's a great word for it, it too. Self-awareness. That's how I try and focus every every day of mine is self-awareness. That's how I think of wellness as well. It's yeah. just it's it's an awareness of self-care. Making, you know, yeah. Of just making positive choices for yourself. Yes. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um mm-hmm. and get a little a serious question for you. Okay. So People of color, they tend to experience a higher rate of imposter syndrome than white people. And which just means that they, you know, don't feel that they're good enough or that they don't deserve everything that they've earned. Um, How do you see this happening to athletes, especially athletes of color? I think it's just very difficult because, you know, you just don't necessarily feel like you belong. And so I think what was always really difficult for me was even when I was applying for college, people around me um, who were white, they would say, oh, like you're going to get into college easier, like you're lucky. And I said, why? Why am I going to get into college easier? And they said, well, you're black. Like they're going to take you because you're black and they just wanted to be diverse. Not because I'm smart not because I can run fast, not because of any of the abilities that I have. It's purely because I'm black. So they're going to give me a free pass, you know, and let that slide. And I really, I think that always really sat with me and really bothered me because I would never say that about anybody else. Like I, I, I wouldn't think that. And then I think that has led me to believe like, oh, like I don't really belong here. They just gave this to me because they feel bad for me, you know? And that's not the case. Like I, I had to find within myself and say to myself, no, like I deserve to be here. Like I worked just as hard as everybody else did to be here. I did the work internally and I did the work externally in order to be here today, run my fastest, do my best in my academics, you know, graduate as in the top of my class that I can. Like I did what I needed to do to be here and I deserve it. I know that mental health is something that a lot of athletes struggle with. And I know I'm not wrong in that. I want to make sure people don't feel like they're alone because I felt like I was alone. And I know now that I'm not. And I want to make other athletes and show other athletes like, listen, you're not the only person that struggles with this. There's a lot of people that struggle with it. How can we band together and make it better? Like, what do you do that she can do? Like, let's talk to each other. Like, let's be supportive with each other. Even if we don't go to the same school, like, how can we do that? How can we all band together? Even as Black women, how can we all band together and come together and come to a consensus and be like, hey, like, let's build each other up. You have to be a friend to get a friend. And that's what builds connections. You know, you hear little nicks and knacks all the time about feeling like you don't belong here. And you just have to do the internal work to realize that you do. And don't let that imposter syndrome gets you because it's not, it's not true. It's fake. And a lot of times when people try to implement that in you, they're honestly afraid of what you can be. And you have to realize that you have to come to fruition with that. And you have to seek the help and you have to do the work in order to believe and say, Hey, like I want to be here and I deserve to be here just as much as anybody else does. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I'm like ready to 
go back to college and try again and be like, guess what? <laughs> it sounds like, you know, we got affirmation. It it helps us so much when we have that anxiety or that imposter syndrome. It's saying, you know, just like you said, I did the work to get here internally. I did the physical work to get here, making it the truth and really reinforcing that within yourself. That is incredible advice to our athletes out there dealing with imposter syndrome. Yes. It's hard. It's hard. I totally get it. It's really hard, but you got to do the work. That's all you can do. You got to do the work. Exactly. Whether you're taking action or you're literally having that internal dialogue. I love that. Yes. Yes. So in sports, we can't always win. We all know that, right? There are losses left and right. You can't always break records. You can't always be the fastest or the best. How do you deal with those setbacks when you don't hit that goal or you don't win the race or you don't break the record that you've been trying to for so long? Mm -hmm. Do you have any specific strategies that you use that you can share? You know, it's so tough, but it's about doing the work like I talked about and just believing in yourself and saying, okay, even though this didn't happen for me, I personally believe I've been through enough trials and tribulations through track that I've seen that a hundred percent of the time, a thousand percent of the time, everything works out exactly the way it's supposed to. Everything happens for the reason exactly that it's supposed to happen for, you know, and you might want things on a certain time frame, and you might want things to happen at this particular date. And it just might not be meant to be. That's just might not be how it's supposed to happen. But I guarantee you something even better is going to happen from that, you know, but you just have to believe and you have to trust. I think for me, I'm very big in my faith. Um, and you know, that really helps set the foundation for me of like, okay, it's not me that's controlling everything. It's God, God's controlling this. And I don't really have the power to change it. All I have the power to do is seek the opportunities that he gives me, do the most with those opportunities and whatever happens from that happens. But I have to learn to let go because I am not in control. And that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to accept in my life because I am a person that likes to be in control, likes to be a perfectionist. But through my faith, I just had to learn that. I just had to say, you know what? You have to let go. You got to relax. There was a lot of times during my college career that I was supposed to win nationals. But you know what? I had to have a conversation with myself and say, you know what, Jasmine, just because you work hard and just because you have the collegiate record doesn't mean that you deserve to win nationals. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to win nationals because guess what? Everybody works hard. Newsflash, everybody's working really hard and everybody has a hard time and everyone's doing that the best they can to be number one all the time. Like you're not the only one doing that. Doesn't mean that you deserve to do this. And that was a very hard lesson for me to learn in my head. And I said, okay, things happen for a reason. And you know what? My senior year, I ended up winning nationals and we won the four by four. So I ended, so we ended up winning twice back to back. And that was probably the most amazing way I could have ever ended my college career. You know, so everything happens for a reason in the time frame that it's supposed to happen. And it's a great life lesson to you to say, you know what, not everything's always going to happen the way that I wanted to in track and field and for the rest of my life. That's just not how it works, you know, but you got to let go and you got to learn to say, okay, like I'm just going to keep fighting. Like I'm just going to stand up, keep fighting and doing my, the best that I can. And trust me, like you all have that in you. You all have that fight in you and that fight to succeed and be competitive and to want more and to be hungry and to never be satisfied. We all have that within us. You just got to find out what you're passionate about and you got to find out what you want. It's the main thing. You got to find out what you want. What do you want out of this? Like, what do you want to get from this? And that's the best way to handle it. 
I mean, but just let us know when you're putting out this audio book, you got a motivational speech. <laughs> right? Let us know when this is happening because <laughs> the fashion is just unmatched right now, Jazz. Like, Thank I've, you. I mean, I'm ready to run through a wall. It's just things that I wish that someone had told me. Oh my gosh, yes. I wish that my younger self had known this also, mm-hmm. you know, because it's hard. It's hard out here, you know? It's it's hard in this world, you, but you got to be tough. And sometimes like, like being tough isn't enough. Sometimes hard work isn't enough. Just because you work hard doesn't mean you're going to get what you think you're going to get. That's not always what happens, but you got to be willing to stand up and fight again and then fight again and fight again and fight again because that's life. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to give up? No, we can't do that. You know, we can't do that. So that's the best advice that I would give. It is the best advice, period. I <laughs> <laughs> love awesome. it. Thank you. Under Armour Sweat the Details will be back after a short break. Welcome back to Sweat the Details. All right, Jasmine, this is the part of the show we like to play a little game with our guests. Ooh, and today's okay. game, today's okay. game is called Keep the Pace, 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 Pace. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every episode that's going to get more just different. <laughs> um, it's called Keep the Pace. We're just uh, going to ask you, you know, a question about things that keep you motivated while running. And then you're just going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. Favorite pre-run snack? Ooh, macaroni and cheese. It's not a snack, but that I love macaroni and cheese. Yeah. That's a first that I've yeah. heard. Yeah. Best warm-up exercise before a race? High knees. Like high knees, like drills, like really fast drills, um, gets me motivated and prepped, kind of gets my blood like flowing, gets me like excited and like loose. It's kind of fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Favorite place to go for a morning jog? The park that's like down my house. Um, it's like has like a bunch of flowers, a bunch of trees. Virginia's like very pretty with their nature and environment. So it's like right mm-hmm. down here and I go for a jog and um, sometimes a bike ride and it's amazing. Love it. Awesome. Love it. And the last one, best way to celebrate a win. Ice cream. Has to be ice cream. I have to get some ice cream. Cold Stone ice cream. My favorite. My favorite. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. They chop it up and then they mix it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Me and my friends will literally go into the Cold Stone ice cream parking lot and we'll just talk forever. Um, and that's what we do whenever I celebrate like a big win or just like I want to relax and decompress. Love it. It's the best way. Love that. Yes. The wisdom is so real. Thank you so much, Jasmine. That was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me on here so much. It was so fun. I really appreciate the questions that you asked are so fun. You guys are so fun. Thank you. Of course. We loved having you here. Yeah. You made it easy. Maximum passion, excitement. I mean, we could listen to you talk all day. Aw, thank you. Jasmine, can you share where everyone can find you on socials? Yeah, you can just find me on Instagram, um, J-A-Z-M-I-I-N-E-F-R-A-A-Y. That's my Instagram, and that's my main platform. <laughs> okay, so Instagram is where it's at. Okay. Yeah, Instagram is where it's at. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for being here with us. This conversation was amazing, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Jasmine Frey is the truth. I Wow is right. My favorite part, I think, of everything she said was her coach's guidance when, and her mother's guidance, honestly, when they said that your mind will outlast your body. Wow. 
coming from a professional athlete or at the time when she was a collegiate athlete, a young athlete, coming from someone who relies so heavily on their bodies to be led by people that they trust and, you know, that she really, really looked up to for answers and for them to say what is truly important is to take care of your mind and your education blew my mind. It was so inspiring. makes me so excited to, you know, maybe one day bring a child into this world and hopefully have them have the same great guidance and know that they're in good hands. What did you enjoy about the interview, Meg? Yeah. I mean, I, I completely just, I just kept getting chills. So when I tell you, I like, I'm not even joking when I say that, um, because when she said that she found her potential during that race, that that was like kind of a moment where she actually acknowledged that she has this potential. So I don't know. I just feel it in my soul because I understand that. I've been there where you have this moment that just honestly changes your life. And it's the first time that you actually pay attention to how amazing of a person, of an athlete, of a human you are. And to, to hear her talk about that moment, it always just, oh, chills. The other thing that kind of got me was when she was talking about therapy and how those those three things, you know, that she found about boundaries and connection. And that's huge. I feel like therapy, mental health, these are all things that, as she said, are very important on an athletic journey, on a life journey. They can change your life in so many different ways. And knowing that this is something that we're talking about so openly and saying, hey, this is important. It's just as important as going and doing those stretches, as going and doing that warm up. All of it connects and all of it is important. I'm just feeling really inspired and I am not a runner, but suddenly I'm like, maybe I'll go for a run today. <laughs> maybe I'll go for a light jog. Yes, I might just run through the wall. <laughs> we'll go together. It's going to be we'll a quick, short one. <laughs> oh my yes. God. Just hold hands right through that oh. wall. Uh, yeah, that was incredible. Well, speaking of possibly going for a run, let's definitely do this check-in with our goals because, you know, the weeks pass and I just am really, really interested to know what are your goals right now? What are you working on, Meg? Well, let me tell you a little about something that happened yesterday. I actually reached a goal that I did not expect at all yesterday. So I've had this goal to do a 24-inch box jump for two years now. I got to 18 inches and then I got to 20 inches. I hit a 22 inch maybe like three or four times in the last year. And something about yesterday, my coach was like, hey, you're doing those 18 inches going up and down, up and down. You're doing like 10. Like, let's let's try and inch you up just a little bit, see what happens. I ended up first face planting into the wall on my first attempt for the 24 inches. And I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let fear win because every single time I do these box jumps, Fear wins 10 out of 10 times. I've never conquered that fear and just pushed through it. I said, you know what, let's do it. The second attempt, I got up on the box and it was a little shaky, but I did it. And I was like, I can do this. Let's give it a third try. Third one, landed it, stuck it, stood up. And I just ended up crying afterwards. But I just felt so proud. Like that was, I just didn't see it coming. I did not know I was going to hit that 24 inch box jump. I felt so proud. It was my last training session. I'm starting to taper off this next week before my medication starts. So I don't know. I just felt so excited about that, even though I have an injury now. Um, it's just, I feel good. I feel positive. I love, love, love that. You know what is wild is that sometimes we can create goals and we can set goals, but we don't make it necessarily a goal to check in and celebrate our accomplishments. So 
if you guys are out there listening, make sure you hit my girl with some hearts, some, some hands up, some <laughs> excitement. Give her Thank some you. love as you guys are seeing her posts on social. Like, yeah, that gives me life. The box jumps are uh, tough. It's like you're once you get up close mental. and personal it's, with that box and you're not looking at it from far away, you're like, I'm supposed to get out here. It's like, wait, this did not look <laughs> that big from back there. What about you, Mon? Let's hear all about your goals and what we can do to help support you. I, you know, had my first sparring session in fight camp last week, and it was uh, it was definitely a learning experience. And I'm trying to really work on, you know, not beating myself up because it's not my job to do mm. that. <laughs> but I'm really working on watching my tapes and understanding how I can be a better inside fighter. I am very much a, a fighter at, at long range. I love footwork. I love evading shots and giving a nice long counter, but when it gets up close and personal, it's a little bit tough for me. So my goal and, you know, my initial session today with my coach was just to really stay on the inside, feel out blocking and countering immediately. So we hope to see some improvement there, setting my feet and really just biting down, chin down and and just going to war. So, Let's go. you know, as things get a little bit more intense, <laughs> I'm just really looking for, um, just looking for some love, staying, staying in tune and staying tuned with my fight camp. I love all the support that I'm getting from everyone, all the community uh, love that I'm getting. So Stay in touch with me. Let me know how your own training is going. Let me and Meg know how things are going for you guys. We love to see your training and your life celebrations, your trials, and we love to support you in that. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that, guys. Keep sharing with us. We love it. Yes, let us know. And that's it for this week's episode. But don't forget to join us next week when we talk about goals and benchmarks and how we can set ourselves up for success with creating realistic objectives for our training. Thanks for joining us, Fit Fam. If you like what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. Until next time, stay inspired, stay motivated, and remember to always sweat the details. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. Sweat the Details is a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Our show is hosted by me, Monica Jones. And me, Meg Boggs. Our executive producers are Jess Schreibstein, Giselle Lewis-Archbald, Molly Sosha, and Maya Cole. Our producers are Kelly Antoll, Layla Kadrain, Emma Osborne, and Alejandra Arevalo. And our sound editor and engineer is Sarah Gibble-Laska. Keep up the latest news in women's fitness by following Under Armour at Under Armour Women and at Under Armour.